Eat Yourself Better podcast is brought to you by Be Fit Food, where food is the first medicine. This week on the show, health and fitness extraordinaire Donna Aston. Take them away from burning glucose predominantly, which most people are who are carrying extra weight, and teaching them to, or retraining their body to burn their own stored fat. And to do that, I need to get their insulin low. Welcome to the Eat Yourself Better podcast. I'm Kate Save, dietitian and CEO of Be Fit Food Australia. I'm Jimmy Rees. You may have seen me on Giggle and Hoot over the past 10 years on ABC Kids, or perhaps you saw me attempting to dance on Dancing with the Stars in 2019. <laughs> Well, let's get started. We caught up with Donna Aston in the offices of Donna RX in Melbourne. Please welcome Donna Aston to the podcast. Welcome. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. It's good. great to be here. And we're going to chat all things uh, health with you today. Uh, so, where did it all start for you? I was overweight. So, I was I was a fairly slim teenager until I reached about 16. And then I stopped growing up and started growing out. <laughs> so, at that stage, I hadn't ever worried about my weight in my life and I ended up putting on about 25 kilos. So by the time I was 20, I was I was up around probably 80, 85 kilos and not very happy with myself. Wow. And so mm. did that kickstart your career? If we look at you now, you're a health uh, professional and, and it's your career. Did that kickstart it for you? It did, absolutely. It sort of happened organically. I, I tried everything. I, I went to different gyms and I tried crazy, stupid diets and, you know, read every silly magazine and, you know, I did it all. I was my own guinea pig and I I had the attention span of a, a goldfish doing it. I just, I didn't believe anything was going to work. And then I just, I started training and I started training at a, a gym that was quite serious and I, I started seeing my body really change and realised that I could actually change this and I've got control over it and I can do this. And so I, I started looking more into the nutrition side then I sort of studied it officially and and people just started coming up to me in the gym and saying how did you do that and can you help me do that and that's sort of how I started training people so I went from 85 kilos to 55 kilos um, and got down to I started at about 40 percent body fat and I ended up being under 10 percent body fat and um, did a a fitness competition incredible and what fitness competition was that it was, well, there's bodybuilding competitions, mm-hmm. which are big muscle, yep. and I was never very big, so it was just a matter of getting lean, and then you, you're competing against women who are, are more on the fitness side of things, so it's judged actually on your, your body, but also on, you know, different events of fitness, so showing strength and flexibility and a lot of gymnastics sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I learned all of that over a period of about two years, and kind of turned everything around and then everybody just started asking me for help because it's very rare that you go to a gym and see somebody really transform. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of people struggling where I had been and not knowing what to do and getting lost in all sorts of crazy diets and and exercise regimes and they saw something that worked and wanted to know what it was. If I had a pill in my back pocket, yes, <laughs> they would have paid anything for it because people would say to me, so how did you do it? I'd say, well, I trained really hard mm. and I ate really well and I, I really focused on my diet and, yeah, but what did you do? They, they didn't want to hear that. 
So yeah, that's too hard. No, they yeah. wanted. How did I do it? something really quick? They wanted the pill. They wanted the secret. <laughs> the secret. Yeah. I mean, if you could bottle it and sell it, you'd be a squillion bajillionaire, couldn't you? Absolutely. That with liquid motivation. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was your first occupation then? So coming out of school, did you go to A uni? beauty therapist. Oh, right. Mm. Okay. And so when did you go on to study nutrition? So you were practising uh, on yourself and then you were working at the did the f- you start training? The first thing I, I did was study training, fitness, and then there was lots of different components in that around nutrition that I sort of started dabbling in. Ah. And um, and then I, I studied at Deakin. Um, oh, in the end. So I did a, yeah. Yeah. And so you were a personal trainer. Yeah. For how many years did you do that? Still am. Um, so it's been about 30 years. Oh, wow. Mm. Amazing. Just a little while. Yeah. Just a little while. <laughs> and have you seen the same transformation? in some of your clients over the years. I have, yeah. many of them, which is is why I do what I do. Amazing. Yeah. I think that's why people have taken to you. Obviously, you had something about you that um, you were transforming yourself and you're transforming other people and you've turned that into a business. What came first? Was it Burn Lab or um, Aston RX? Aston RX is relatively new, so mm-hmm. it's only a few years old now. So that's my online program. Mm-hmm. Um, Burn Lab has been around for about four years, and before that, I had Aston Fitness. So we just moved premises, rebranded, and but essentially same trainers, same clients. Yep. Um, I've had that business in fitness now for for nearly thirty years. And amazing. So you've trained males and females. Yes. And what do you find the biggest difference is between training a male and a female, and what sort of results can a male versus a female expect? Because I guess it's different, right? Yeah. Look, it is. Um, I find that women are sometimes scared of weight training and and that can hinder their results because they think they're going to lift a little weight and turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger and and look bulky. Yes. Um, If you look at most track and field athletes, um, muscle is not bulky. Mm. Um, You know, the women are lean and long. It's only body fat on top of it that makes you look bulky. And because I work on both sides of the nutrition and the exercise, then obviously we work on both of those things at the same time. I find men um, probably get results quicker a lot of the time because firstly they have more metabolically active tissue they find it easier to build muscle and they're not scared of training that way yeah and when it comes to the food side of things who do you think is men are always more compliant Ah, (laughs) oh really yes tick for men (laughs) i don't know if they're scared of me or um (laughs) yeah that might not be the experience for other trainers but just particularly you (laughs) i worked i worked for years with um the victorian army barracks and i used to get soldiers in and they actually had a rule that they had to be a certain bmi to be deployed to go to afghanistan at that time and um they were all under 10 percent body fat they were built like rugby players, oh. but their BMI was too high. Oh. So they essentially had to starve themselves senseless to lose muscle in order to be fit enough to go and fight for our country. Gosh. Wow. I, you know what? I just recall a, a moment in my PE class in high school and there's a, a guy who he's actually he's been to the Olympics, he's a shot putter, and he was, you know, all muscle, all muscle. And he what he wanted to do when he'd finished school um, was continue shot put, obviously, but he wanted to join the army and he could not get it. There was no yeah. way in, in the too world heavy. that he would get in. It was too heavy. 
They, <laughs> yeah, I try. I fought for years to try to change that to body composition, but mm. they weren't listening. It was all about BMI, so it was so inaccurate. These guys mm. were were so lean, mm. just hugely muscular. They had at the barracks, they had a gym. They all trained hard. They were all strong. They were all desperate to be deployed. So they would do whatever I told them to do to get into shape, and they'd come back in, and I'd say, "How did you go? Fine. What did you did you do? That yep." Mm-hmm. And they, they, the exact <laughs> result that I told them to get, they would have on the scale. It was it was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it seems that the BMI is a, is either outdated or it's 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 very inaccurate. What other outdated uh, technologies or measures are there that you've seen in your career? God, I wrote a whole book on that. <laughs> That Called Fat or Fiction. Fat or yeah. Fiction. The yeah. reason I wrote it was because there are so many myths and so many ridiculous things out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's people spending or companies spending multi-million dollars on um, trying to find out what people want and then they just sell it back to them and oh. just yeah. tell you what you want to hear. People want weight loss to be fast, painless, easy. So you listen to anything and they're going to tell you it's fast, painless and easy because that's what people want, you know. There's all this market research out there. Um, BMI is useless. Look, you can use it, I suppose, in a, a study of a community mm-hmm. where they can't yes. measure everybody's body composition. So for that purpose, it can be useful. But if you have somebody who has more muscle than usual, if you've got an AFL football player, yeah. they're going to be obese yeah, on the scale. Yeah. My thought with BMI is you need to be able to eyeball the person to mm. be able to say whether the BMI is accurate or not because you can tell straight away when you look at someone will or won't they have a reliable bmi and if they're quite muscular then forget about bmi and it works the other way you know if somebody has is light because they don't have enough muscle but they have extremely high body fat percentage they'll be perfect with a bmi yeah Yeah. and particularly I, i guess we're seeing in different populations as well now they can have a very low body weight but they can actually have that abdominal fat they Mm. can have heart attack risk diabetes but their bmi is going to come up perfectly yeah skinny Mm. fat yes yes. (laughs) skinny fat skinny fat toffee thin outside fat inside toffee toffee (laughs) well there's a new one (laughs) i just want to rewind a second um i stalked your instagram let's be honest um and i saw a (laughs) i saw a picture you said you had a flashback to the 90s and you were in a body sculpting competition (laughs) body sculpt miss miss universe yeah Uh, you competed in that there's this picture of you it's a black and white picture but you're you're doing your body sculpting yeah what does it take to do that what's the mindset around that is it what's your body you you, you commented uh there that you had uh, under eight percent body fat there What's the regime to get to that that fitness, that look? It's funny, isn't it? Because if you stood, it, it looks it looks quite big in the photo, the mm. muscle. But if you stood me next to a bodybuilder, I look like a drowned rat. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's I was fifty one kilos, and, yeah, I, wow. and I'm one hundred and seventy three centimeters tall. Wow. So that I was tiny in clothes. I just like my jeans were falling off. Wow. Yeah. Um, to do that, I mean. Honestly, the training was only three times a week, strength training three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't believe in overtraining muscles and, and you're only going to go backwards if you do that. Yeah. Um, and really it was all about the nutrition. Um, it's funny because I was training at a gym where there were lots of other people getting ready for a similar sort of thing and they were all looking tired and 
in uh, getting, twice a day. Yeah, getting <laughs> sick and yeah. overtraining mm. and eating, you know, a lettuce leaf and just yeah. and I'd, you know, sort of be pulling out a big bag of almonds mm. and they're saying, oh, but you can't eat those, there's fat in them. And, you know, they, they all have these very old-fashioned ideas because a lot of the people that are training them are just really old-fashioned bodybuilders yeah. and they're not nutritionists and they don't know any any better than what they're teaching it's a really hard way to do it they get there in the end but it's mm. it's a lot tougher than the way i did it well that'll lead us into the conversation around carbs and mm. what do you practice or what do you preach about carbs for me it's not just about carbs it's about nourishment or the nutrition that you get out of a food it's about how processed that food is um most things that we traditionally think of as carbs well people will say to me sometimes oh there's no carbs in in that diet um they're thinking bread, pasta, rice, potato, mm. but there's carbs in vegetables, there's carbs in fruit, there's carbs in lots of different and foods. And dairy products yeah. they often leave off the list. Yeah. They say they're on a no-carb diet, yeah. they're having four coffees a day with milk. And yeah. you're like, well, each one there's of those some. coffees has got your carbs <laughs> in it. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about exactly what defines a carbohydrate. Um, so most of the carbohydrates that I recommend to people in the initial 28 days of Aston um, are going to elicit the smallest insulin response because I'm trying to take them away from burning glucose predominantly, which most people are who are carrying extra weight, and teaching them to or retraining their body to burn their own stored fat. And to do that, I need to get their insulin low. Mm -hmm. And so we're very strict in that first 28 days to initiate that process, and then we actually start reintroducing a lot of different foods, including root vegetables and the occasional carb, if you like, Um, you know, just to sort of start bringing them back in smaller quantities. Um, By that stage, often people will start, you know, having a lot of bread and different things again, and they actually feel awful. They yeah. bloat, they feel tired. Um, we hear that They just all don't feel the well. Time. Yeah, and once you are eating well, the, the feeling that comes with that, the energy and the body feeling, I guess, that you don't feel bloated yeah. all the time. And people haven't – some people have never experienced that and no. they lose that first five kilos and for them that's just – It's the contrast. You know, I've always yeah. said I would love to take someone who's overweight and give them their body at its absolute best for a week and just let them experience it. Mm. And not just not just an aesthetic thing, but how it feels, how it moves, um, how well you sleep, oh, the sleep your energy, huge. the spring in your step, um, you know, just how comfortable and good you feel, and then give them back their body that's overweight, they would say, this is unacceptable. Yeah. I need to have that back. It's a good motivation. I mean, yeah. no wonder you're successful. <laughs> I sign me up. <laughs> Where is that liquid motivation? Where is it? It's <laughs> right it here. Is. There it is. Yeah. Um, it's not in liquid form at all. <laughs> Put her in your backpack. <laughs> But I think that, um, you know, the reason that um, the 28 day program that I do, it's quick, you know, they lose weight quickly. And I think it's the closest I can get to Mm. doing that for people is to let them experience their body completely differently to how they have done in the past and to show them the contrast. It's all about the education. I think a lot of times people, it's a bit of a mystery diet and weight loss. It's like they just sort of, you know, they try things but they don't really know what they're doing and often we accredit the any results we stumble across we accredit it yeah. to the wrong thing yeah. and Game and changes then, yeah exactly <laughs> and then once that's happened you know it they get frustrated because they're still doing that one thing that they're trying to to do and it's not working anymore 
Well, let's touch on game changers because, you know, somebody who's been in the industry for over 30 years and run gyms and seen the exercise side and now the diet side, this film came out uh, which rebranded veganism basically as a plant-based diet and said it had implications for the the, the planet um, and that you basically should be uh, on a plant-based diet uh, for many different reasons. And there were some bizarre studies that were in there, uh, which they claim they're on the cutting edge. Um, and I agree with some of it. I think plant-based food is great for us. Um, but I just wanted to get your take on it. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to go down the line of the the ethical uh, or environmental, mm-hmm. that's not my expertise, but the health side of it is. Um, and I think that in the in that show in particular, I did watch it right through because I had a lot of people, particularly men, yeah. who were very convinced <laughs> about it and yeah. good reason because they were basically telling them that they'd have poor erectile function if they yes. didn't eat this way. <laughs> so that usually gets men interested. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, every time they spoke about meat eaters, they were talking about um, hamburgers and fries. Um, in, and when they were talking about a vegan, they were talking about lovely fresh plant food. So I don't think you have to choose between those things you know um there's there's no reason to cut um, an entire food group out being the protein and just eat vegetables i think you'd find that if they studied that for over a longer period of time that there would be other health issues and nutritional deficiencies that arise because of it um and also and, and what are those nutritional deficiencies i guess i i have this conversation all the time with clients in the office and over the dinner party. And um, those nutritional deficiencies are really significant, but a lot of them don't really emerge until after the six-month or 12-month or even 18-month period when some of these stores run down. And what are you seeing? Well, look, one of the the biggest ones would be iron um, and B12, you know, related Mm. to that. Um, You know, even even just getting enough protein and then you're eating it. The right types of protein, the active. Exactly. As well, and and then yeah. you're eating an enormous amount of of carbohydrates to get those proteins. So a lot mm. of the time, your body fat will increase because of that. Um, there's there's so many things that you'll be missing, and I just think that being a vegan can be healthy but you almost need to be a food scientist to be able to do it right. And cutting out one food group is not the answer uh, to getting a balance. And you know what I find too, when I ask people, okay, well, you've got this covered and you've got that covered, so you're replacing all of these things. So how many supplements are you taking a day to balance this whole food plant diet? And I'll speak to them and they'll be adding in, you know, five different supplements as well as different protein powders. And you're going, you know what, that protein powder is refined as well. What is that actually made of and how high quality is that? And if you can't live on real food, what is the point of cutting out a whole food group if you're going to supplement it with processed synthetic rubbish? Well, to give you an idea, Dave Hughes um, was got me on radio yes. a, a little while ago and was talking about, because he's always been a pescatarian, yes. and he watched Game Changers and said, that's it, I'm going to be a vegetarian or vegan. And uh, Ed Cavalli who's Mr. Meat Eater (laughs) and bodybuilder was sort of – and Ed's really fit and lean and Mm -hmm. Dave isn't. And um, so they had this big competition between them. So I did blood tests on both of them (laughs) and neither were terrific, but Ed's were were better than Dave. So Dave was on a mission to be a vegan and stick with this and, um, and, you know, see what his blood tests are. I've only just sent him the blood – he said, I feel amazing, I feel great, I need to do the blood test again. So I'll be very interested to see – 
how it comes back. But I'll also be interested to see, did he stop eating um, rubbish food like fish and chips and start eating more vegetables? that you can have. You might go to a restaurant or you go out for the day. They don't have vegan menus, a lot of these places. Some do now, but... um, the only thing left on the menu sometimes is hot chips and or it's the bread or it's something that, yeah. you know, really isn't that balanced and it is highly processed, but it's because they're trying to exclude things. Being a vegan doesn't necessarily mean that you're eating vegetables. You can be eating pizza. You can be eating yeah. so yeah. – you can be eating vegan donuts. Vegan pizza with vegan cheese, That's, vegan like, ham, yeah. vegan – Salami. Pretend burgers yeah. at the burger places. Yeah. Um, it's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Mm. It's, about, it's a lot of Franken food. It's a it's lot about of eating healthily, whether it, it what it looks like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's you no- can have a vegan pizza. Yeah. Pizza's not good for you. Anyone could say that. It doesn't matter what's on it. Pizza yeah. it can make you fat. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? What is on it? What is in that vegan meat? And how did it get that color? Why does it look just like ham or just like salami? And that's scary to it's me. It's been engineered to, yeah. to look I always a thought if way. you've got, um, you know, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of amazing vegetarian, vegan options out there. Why are you trying to replicate ham? I mean, <laughs> if you're not so going to eat, eat it, just it. don't eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Come up with something amazing. Come up with something new. Like, you know, tofu was invented, you know, to do more of those things. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. But I think that the the misconception is that being a vegan is healthier and that a, a vegan just eats vegetables. And it's not true. No. And what? look, we both advocate a plant-based diet, but it doesn't Absolutely. mean you exclude meat or yeah. dairy. It's yeah. predominantly plants yeah. and lots of whole foods, but not to the exclusion of other food groups. A lot of the negative um, studies that have been done on eating meat are done on people who eat a lot of meat. Mm. Now, if you eat a lot of anything, you have a really poorly balanced diet. So if you're eating a lot of meat, you're probably not eating enough plant food. So do we eat too much meat? Probably. Do we all not eat enough vegetables? Absolutely. Um, So if you just cut the quantity of your protein and keep it like clean, good quality protein and have more vegetables, you'll get better results than just cutting out one food group altogether. And that's Mm -hmm. the Mediterranean diet, which is really, been the gold standard around the world as a longevity diet they only have 40 grams of meat on average a day and that's it and that's enough so that is also a plant-based diet but they don't need to cut out a whole food group exactly how has the health industry changed? Uh, we have a, there's a a friend a colleague of yours um, Kate who used to train with you Many years ago. Many and she years. said she still got hand-typed on a typewriter recipes from you because you were giving her these recipes. She said, oh, you can make brownies out of, you know, a protein powder. And um, and she must dig them up and send them to you. But how? I wonder what would they look like you know, 20 years ago or however long that was ago. What, how's the health industry changed for you in that food diet? What, you, what were you advocating back then? Well, if you picked up a copy of Fat or Fiction, um, which was my <laughs> which first book, yeah, oh. for anyone that's mm-hmm. in the room, first or? book I wrote in 1999, 99, uh-huh. so it's 21 years old. Um, if I read it now, which I haven't for a little while, but if I read it now, a lot of the principles, majority of the principles, are still the same. Back then, I was considered the crazy extreme person who mm. was advocating um, being able to eat fat in your diet um, and telling people that sugar was really bad. 
bad and that they're eating too many processed carbs. And everybody was slamming me. Yeah. The media, dietitians, everybody was telling me, this crazy woman, she's going to kill you if you do that. You shouldn't do it. It's mm. terrible. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I said, let's flip the food pyramid upside down. We need more essential fats. We're not eating enough plant food. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, I was crazy. And now they come running back. And now, and now (laughs) all of those who slammed me, 20, it took them about 20 years. Now they're all kind of saying the same thing. Um, So, you know, it it has sort of come around. Um, I'm usually out there sort of spruiking what what I believe in and what I've researched um, and and I still do look there's some things that have changed I there was a couple of artificial sweeteners that I didn't mind back then and they'll be in some of the recipes I don't do that anymore mm-hmm. um, but nutrition changes and that's the difference science between changes a good yeah. yeah dietitian nutritionist or yeah. fitness advocate and not you've got to change every year as the science changes you've got to follow it and we learn keeping up to date with it and you're practicing and preaching about the BMI still or you're preaching about things that are really outdated, then that's not a reflection of mm. good, you know, keeping up to date and good science. So yeah. what now? You've got Aston RX. It's going gangbusters. Um, do you have any other ambitions for another book um, or are we just focusing on Aston RX at the moment? What about competing again? <laughs> In some old lady masters competition. No, I don't think so. <laughs> That might be a bit tragic. Um, no, I think I. I mean, I actually thought of writing a book um, when I started coming up with the formula for Aston RX because that's what I'd done in the past. Mm. I think books have changed a lot, mm-hmm. um, and you know, gone are the days of borders and all of those wonderful, yeah. you know, yeah. publishing houses. Yeah. yeah, and I and I feel like in this in this space, people really need more support than a book. And so I have the opportunity now with the platform that we have online where I can be present for everybody um, all day long, live. So um, that that allows me to help people um, and and have a really big scope for helping lots of different people. Um, I can't do that with a book um, and I can't do that just one-on-one with people privately, which is why I built the platform. I think the last part of this conversation is really tackling rapid weight loss and a lot of people are scared of it. But what is your opinion on rapid weight loss? And this is, again, something that's probably changed from, um, you know, in the last 20 years as well. And I I used to, coming coming from a, an exercise background as well um, and, and always trying to preserve lean tissue, I, yes. I was always under the impression that if you lost weight too quickly that you would sacrifice lean tissue mm. and that you wouldn't be losing all fat. Um, and sometimes it's so extreme that you may put that weight back on again because you can't possibly, you know, I used to say it's like holding your breath what happens when you start breathing again you gasp for air it's kind of the same with food Mm. um so i used to be of that opinion but having seen aston rx work with people rapidly first of all as i was saying before you get that immediate gratification which proves to people that you're not going to fail this time you can actually do this um, which i think is really important because a lot of people have been on a hundred different diets and failed or feel that they failed. Mm. Um, probably the diet has failed them, but they feel that they failed the diet. And so it's very difficult when you failed that many times and kicked yourself in the head to actually, um, you know, go back and do it again. It's not very enticing no. to do. And it, I think 
that instant gratification is enough for people to go. It's motivation. This time yeah. it might actually work. Yeah, it might work. And they get their confidence back yeah. in and if themselves. And it's not on a supplement, and if it's not on bars and shakes, yeah. then if it's working with real food, then how bad can it be? Yeah. <laughs> and look, I there's been so many studies now um, that um, where they show that when you fast and do intermittent fasting, that your and part of the program does start to introduce intermittent fasting, and when you do that, you actually get um, a spike in your growth hormone. Um, your body's not stupid enough to burn muscle tissue when it actually has excess fat to burn. Hmm. And if it was, humans probably would have died out many, many, yeah. many <laughs> years ago. Um, you know, when we fast, we actually feel really good. We feel alert. I have a, a surgeon who recently did the program and he sometimes gets stuck in a surgery for 10 hours at a time. Oh, and crazy. he said he's never operated with such clarity in wow. his mind as he has when he's been fasting. Yeah, that's funny you say that. My business partner at Be Fit Food is a surgeon. He says exactly the same thing. And he thought that he wouldn't be able to exercise when he was doing a mild keto diet. And what he found was that by day three, day four, he was at the point where he had so much energy that he was going for more intense workouts and working out for longer. And he felt better. He actually thought that he had more energy, which was the complete reverse of what he initially had thought. If you think about it, when you have a big meal and your stomach's full, you feel like curling up and going to sleep. Mm. But when you're when you're hungry or when your stomach's empty, you actually probably feel a lot more alert, and it's because your body needs you to go hunt and gather. Yeah, you know that's how we've been designed. We've evolved through feast and famine. Unfortunately, now there's only feast, and great marketing <laughs> yeah. people are telling us that we need to eat every two hours to keep our metabolism up, which is you know the volume of food that you're consuming yeah, far wow. outweighs any increase you may have in your metabolism. So. Yeah. Well, thank you, Donna. Thanks for the chat. I My think pleasure. I'm uh, I'm well educated now. Uh, we can you can find you on Instagram. Just search Donna Aston Aston RX if you're intrigued about the program, mm-hmm. uh, and Burn Lab as well. Just yes. uh, Google Burn Lab. Any other hats you wear? Oh, many, 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 <laughs> many. <laughs> Too many to count. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us, and uh, yeah, we hope to catch up soon. Thank you. Eat Yourself Better podcast is brought to you by BeFit Food, where food is the first medicine. Eat Yourself Better podcast is brought to you by BeFit Food, where food is the first medicine. <laughs>